This is the More to the Story podcast with Dr. Andy Miller. We hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation. Welcome to the More to the Story podcast. I'm glad you've come along and you're joining us today. Today, we have Pastor Matt Roden. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. He's a pastor of a church in California, and he served in megachurch contexts and smaller churches. He served in Tampa, Florida, the Grace Family Church for a while. So I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation that I had. This summer, at the start of this podcast, we're mainly hosting interviews. But very soon, we're going to have other content that we're going to be rolling out. So stay tuned. But we do plan to have things coming out every week. Generally on Thursdays at noon, we'll be publishing different types of content. But for now, the first several weeks are just going to be interviews. And we're so thankful we have some great sponsors who are coming alongside of us. And the first one, the first one who stepped right up was WPO Development. And they're led by Keith Waters. He's my friend. And he has this interesting thing that he says. He says, if you don't know where you are going, any path will take you there. Isn't that true? both in our personal lives and especially in our ministries. It's critical that we all have a clear plan and a path to where we want to go. Keith and his company, WPO, work the Salvation Army, but they also work with other ministries all across the country and can help you develop a strong mission planning study all the way up to managing a capital campaign. I'm currently right now in Tampa working with Keith here on a capital campaign. Just in a few days, I'll be moving along, but we wouldn't have been able to do all that we've done without Keith and his work. So if you need some help in this type of area, contact him about your planning and capital campaign needs. You can contact him at info at wpodevelopment.com, or you can just Google them as well. I think you'll find them to be wonderfully helpful in your own ministry. Check out today's podcast. Welcome to the More to the Story podcast with Dr. Andy Miller. I am so excited to have my friend here, Pastor Matt Roden, who is the senior pastor at Santa Cruz Bible Church. Matt, welcome to the podcast. What's going on, Andy? I'm so glad to be here. So happy to be a part of the podcast. And uh, again, our we have a history together. Our yeah. sons were friends. We went to the same school and we've interacted many, many, many times as friends. And so I'm just glad to glad to see your face again and, and uh, glad to be a part of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. You too. So our boys, it's interesting. Our, our boys went to this Christian school together. And it's funny how what happens is like um, the pastor's kids end up coming together. Now, I don't know if that's because there are some of the poorer kids there, but anyhow, the, the pastor's kids end up grouping together. <laughs> so, so well, we had. Can a, you believe our dad? <laughs> yeah. But what? What did? What? When did he use you in illustration? Yeah. Did you get used? Uh, to, oh yeah. 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 They, they've had that. They've had a lot of that. There's no doubt. So. So by the uh, time this comes out, you and I will probably will both be away from Tampa, but we met in Tampa, and mm-hmm. it's been interesting how God's led our life and our journey. Yeah. And you know, you and I serve in very different denominations or, or, or churches and uh, but I mean we still share this central claims of Christian orthodoxy together but I think there's a lot of things I learned from you and maybe even some wrong ideas I had about large churches that you helped me correct and and some like kind of like the grass isn't greener type of things but at the same time there's a lot of knowledge that you have that's intuitively come based upon where you've served that I think my audience could benefit from. Sure. So that's where I like to go. But but before we get too far, just tell us a little about your story, who you are, like wh- where you've been, and, m- and maybe that will get us into some of these other points. Yeah, uh, I, I have um, my wife Carrie and I. We have four kids: uh, Sophie, Will, Lily, and Lucy, and a puppy. Oh, here uh, we're so we're living in Santa Cruz. We called it Cruz. That's what you do when your kids have been 
cooped up at home for too long because here in California, like we're really not starting school. Oh, back I, yeah. Right. Like we're still kind of living under the tears. And the, I think uh, we're about to be completely wild, wild west like Florida has been for a while. <laughs> it's a great place to be. Restrictions. Right? You know, we're so we're still living in that. But uh, but the kids have just been home. So you get them a puppy. Right. That's what you do when you're kind of like, all right, we got to we got to bring a little happiness to the house. If we're still going to be here. For a little while longer so um so we've been doing that i've been in ministry for i think oh gosh i have to do the math in my head but like i think it's like 24 years now wow. um 17 of those were in the mega church world um really kind of unintentionally and we just kind of just got in and those were the churches i started working in and yeah. student ministry and teaching pastor and all kinds of different roles um for that and then um and then have recently made a switch um to when um from a the largest church I'd ever worked at of like well it's I guess at their peak there in Tampa it was like twelve thousand probably on a weekend yeah and now we're like over here in Santa Cruz and I'm leading a church that's been in a decline for like a long long time like okay. I mean a long time and so so now we're kind of chugging along kind of getting the progress going and, and we're kind of moving up to like the two we're like trying to get up to the two fifty range you know wow. kind of in that ballpark right you know so um so it's been um. It, it's a totally different environment. So it's funny because I, I started working out in smaller places, worked in larger places for a while. And now I'm kind of facing the whiplash of like going back into smaller, but have worked in larger and, and, and have that kind of experience and some of the expertise and things that you get in those environments and now bring it into a totally, a totally different context and a city that um, like when we were in Tampa, 10% of people go to church, right? Okay. Like, which is super low, like lower yeah, than Yeah, sure. Vegas. I've always thought that like that Tampa is a fairly secular yeah, it's city. lower than Las Vegas. It's lower than anywhere. We're in Santa Cruz at six. So it's wow. like one of the lowest, it's one of the lowest, most unchurched areas, period. I mean, you know, out there. Wow. And um, this is like where all, Santa Cruz is fun because it's like, it's kind of like, this is where all the hippies came. Like this Okay. <laughs> and now they're old. <laughs> When Woodstock let out, like that's where they they all came here, right? Wow. You know, kind of thing. So, uh, so it's a totally uh, there is a lot of that what you think of of Santa Cruz of surfing and like you know cannabis everywhere and like just weird stuff, you know, like it's just it, yeah, totally all of that. But at the same time, it's the same problems um, that you run into everywhere. The sure. same reasons marriages fall apart. The same reasons people get depressed. The same reasons you know people struggle. All those things are still the same, and so um, so it's an interesting time to be here because we're kind of in a time where the hippie generation is getting older, dying out, but also you have all these folks coming in from Silicon Valley and San Jose and Santa Clara. And okay, help me this: where is geographically total California ignorance? I've been to yeah, LA, yeah, 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 yeah. but where we are is right it? Smack in the middle of California, okay. and then you go all the way left. Like literally, it's called the leftmost city, not just geographically, but also politically. Interesting. Yeah, and so and we're about like thirty minutes um, below San Jose and about an hour below San Francisco. So that'll give people a little bit yeah, of a frame. Yeah, sure. It's Central California, right? You know, that's it. But Santa Cruz is kind of by itself. It's kind of like uh, its own little community, kind of over here in California. And it's a really fun community, though, because it's going through a transition. I'm going through a transition. So we're just wow. all going through a transition together. It's a lot of fun. It's interesting that you're in this place where you've come from a large church, 12,000, and then you're at 250. But this church is well known, uh, at least yeah. historically. Uh, what was, and, okay, I think I need to say, every. Some people might be reacting to me even saying like large church, small church and talking about numbers. Like, just know, like this is my friend 
map. Yeah. And like, we are about the people. Like, this is not about numbers. Like, if you it hear phase, that. It doesn't phase me at all to talk about numbers. The only thing that phases me is when people make up numbers. That That's what bothers <laughs> me. Like, you know, like, I remember doing student ministry and we would ask, like, what are your numbers like? And we weren't like comparing. We were trying to get a gauge of like, what kind of problems are you dealing with? Yeah. Like, you know, what thing, you know, because there's stages with this stuff. Right. And so. Uh, and these guys would count, you know, they'd be like, well, we have like 500 or something. I'm like, really? And they're like, well, we had them in an event. We really have six kids every week. And I'm like, well, that's, that's a bit of a difference, right? They're counting everybody driving by, you know, yeah. it's crazy. But no, numbers are, are to me, it's just um, it, when I look at it, I mean, I definitely think people can get insecure and get some ego and some weird stuff about numbers and talking about that. But I think when you're in ministry talking shop with other people to me it's about kind of what stage you're in right, sure there's something there's numerical barriers like 1500 is a famous one and 300 is a famous one right there are ones like that that you have to you know that person's trying to push past that point and so you know uh to me it kind of lets me know where they are what kind of what you know what stage they're kind of in and building that ministry and not every ministry needs to be a mega right, church right right oh, like that's crazy you know i mean like that's I just think they're all sizes, all things for all people. And thank God for every one of them, small, large, everything different, you know. So. It's a sociological distinction. Like it's like a group function. Like when yeah. you have 500 people, you're dealing with something different with somebody who has 200 or 1500, et cetera. Like there's just different challenges um, that you have at all those like, like structural issues that are yeah. involved. So, but, but back to Santa Cruz Bible Church, um, Chip Ingram was a pastor there in the 90s. Is that right? Yeah. Like, Well-known well writer. Like, until like 2000 or something, and he did the Living on the Edge show. And I, I mean, I remember all this stuff. Oh, like, really? Man, like yeah. I, I'd listen to his, you know, radio show or his podcast or whatever it was back then, you know, kind of a thing. And uh, and so, um, and he's gone, he went on to pastor some other places and do some other stuff. And But, um, but that was 20 years ago, 21 years ago, right? right. And so ever since then the church had not been, has not been the same and has like never really had substantial growth wow. in the years. And so the challenge is coming in and stopping something that's been going on for 20 years, but then also trying to get momentum and, and trying to do that in, in a COVID environment also. Right, right. Makes it 10 times harder, but it's, you gotta be called to that kind of challenge. You know what I mean? That, that just sounds logically like who would do that? You know, right, kind of thing. right. But I genuinely believe in what this church can be. And if you don't see the potential, if it doesn't get you excited, then don't take on something like that. But Amen. to me, when I came here and saw the location of where they are, the heart of what they want to do, um, but just they haven't had um, just go storm the hill type leadership regarding vision and things like that, you know, so I was like, okay, well then let me come in and give it a shot. A lot of guys have come before me doing a lot of awesome things. I don't want to take away anything. Right, right. Sure. Them. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. But they, but I think in this present time, there were a lot of folks that got lost in how to do this. And so, right. you know, we're coming in with a little bit of a different mindset of trying to go in. Okay. You know, so. Let, you know, you and I both know um, the head of school from uh, Cambridge where our kids went, um, yeah. Sean Minks, when I told yes. him about our transition, yeah, I'm, I'm making a move into moving out of the local church and serving the academy to train, you know, function as a teacher and administrator. And I was I was coming to him for advice because he's like led it, led an educational institution. And I was acknowledging my ignorance to the field. Like I'm a passion about theology, church history, history, theological education, but like yeah. the X's and O's of this job 
I'm not talking about hugs and kisses. I'm talking about like, you know, nuts and bolts of what we're doing. I don't know. And he just said, look, Andy, the thing is like leaders do hard things, you know, like when when you get to a place like where you think you can do it, like you can do this job, like you you have all the answers, you're you're gonna be in trouble. And you could have, I think it would've been easy for you, Matt, this is me kind of reading into the situation, but you know, you had, I'm gonna just say, you're a bit of a celebrity in, whether you want to or not, just based upon the fact that you are teaching 30 times a year at the largest, one of the largest churches in town, 12,000 people, you know, Mm. I always walk around with you and people are like, hey, Pastor Matt, can I get your autograph? I mean, not not quite that, but I mean, you were, you know how it goes. I mean, I was with you. I don't have to tell you how it goes. So like people really knew you. You could have just started a church in Tampa. Yeah, yeah. And we thought about that, but the thing is like, um, and that made it hard because, um, because of the venue in Tampa, that was already there before I had even gotten there, but it had grown while we were there. Right. Um, and because of the amount of times I was speaking and that type of stuff, I mean, there were people that thought I was the pastor, like sure. I mean, they, they, because I was speaking so much. I mean, they, they were, they didn't know, you know, I think, I mean, they, but um, yeah, it, it was interesting being there, but, and we were very loved and we still love Tampa. We love the folks there. Like it was just, but it was a hard decision I mean, we had people showing up at our door, people like, here's some money, go start a church. I mean, wow. I had doctors meet with me saying like, I will, if you'll work with me for a year, I'll hand this over. Like, I mean, oh, wow. people were literally like, like, let's, let's keep this guy here. But deep down in my heart, like, I just knew, like, I would still feel like I'm living in the past if I didn't, if I did that. Like, I, I was not, I felt like God was, it was the same kind of God, whatever you want me to do that led me to Tampa in the first place. And it's going to be the same calling. It, it didn't stop at Tampa, right? Amen. Like I still got to pursue him and no matter what, like this is what I got into this to do. Yeah. And I, I felt like it wasn't truly embracing the future. It was trying to respond to something in the past that I felt like is unhealthy. And it's like, it's like um somebody, somebody asked me to like describe that to me. And I was like, well, it's like living in the same town as your ex-wife. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, <laughs> Which we have no experience with. I just want to right, clarify. Yeah, we know. But, but I'm just saying, like, it's that whole, like, I just don't know if that's, like, what I want to base right, my direct right. on. It's like, well, I'm, I want to be here because there's people here, and it'd be easy. And it would have been. I mean, we could have started something that would be bigger than even what I'm doing right now almost sure. immediately. Oh, yeah. Like, was, you could have hired me. I don't know. Yeah, I know. And, yeah. I, and I would have, like, in a heartbeat, man. Yeah. Come on. So, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm not. Anyway, but, uh, but the thing is, is that I honestly – um, at the end of the day, it's, it's listening to the Holy spirit. It, it's really paying attention to that and saying like, God, I just, I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I stay here. And though I will say that this is, I swear up and down, this is not what I'm doing. Yeah, I yeah. know down that this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I would be making the easy decision. Right. I'd be doing it because it was convenient for me. It would not be hard on my kids. It would not be hard on my wife, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But same time it would wow because you still wow. got to live with the consequence yeah. of the fact that you could be doing the next thing that god wants you to do but you decide to stay here and just respond to this thing 
and let that set the calling from now on. And and that was a hard, that was a hard, hard, hard call for me. Definitely disappointed a ton of people when we announced that we were, you know, moving to California. Yeah. But at the same time, I think a lot of people got it. And I tried to be very open and vulnerable about that on social media and just talk about like my decision and, and right. like how that how that played out. And so um I think most people understand it. They're like, look, like you got to do what God's calling you to do. And and, that, and that's what brought you here. And that's what took you somewhere else, you know, right. kind of a thing. That's ultimately it. But I just felt like it wasn't the healthiest thing for me to do. Right. There's more to the story, to quote my podcast. There's oh, more yeah, to the yeah, story yeah, that, go, that right? just like, yeah, I just wanted to go out here. And, and for me, like in the middle of transition, I, I think this is an encouragement to people who are sensing God at work in their life and maybe they're calling them to something new. One of the things that we, like Abby and I are experiencing is that like there's certainly worth things within the nature of our denomination that you know we are uncomfortable with them but we've been totally willing to stay in and work and work towards change but it wasn't just like i didn't want to be known for like i, I don't want our transition to be known as running from something but truly right. it's a calling to something like yeah. i think there's this thing like not running from but running to it's like running to what god has for you and i like it might not be as glorious it might not be as a it might not be as comfortable i mean certainly going to a whole new environment like what you're doing and, and if you would have stayed here like let's say that would have happened let's just play it out in our mind if you would have like just started another church here with some great i'm sure there's some great people who would have been a part of that that team it could have been seen like you said almost reactionary it's like sheep stealing man and I'm absolutely a lot of guys my age do it. They'll sit wow. and go, they get mad and they go down the street and they leech off that church. And like, it's funny. I made a decision a long time ago after watching a guy my age do the same thing. He right. just kind of responded and went and started a church. And um, it, it's kind of like, I don't know. It, it It's kind of like in families where like if a son is like really mad at his dad and yeah. he goes, like, but everything he does in life, his achievements and everything is really a response to dad. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll show you dad, I can do it. You know, kind of thing. I just felt like that, that, that is more, if you talk about things from an emotional health standpoint, that's really what to me drives some guy. Now, absolutely. There are people who feel called to that city and go, we're just going to start a new work. Right. Sure. Sure. And then we're going to live with the consequences of the ex-wife still being around or whatever. Right, you know, right. you I gotcha. yeah. We're, we're going to live with that, but we, we're going to choose to reach the city. And, and and that was really kind of also a weighing point for us of like how much are we willing are we willing to stay in the same town how much do are we willing to do this and i just had to say listen i'm going to open all the doors all the windows and just say god whatever you want to do wow and and then ended up walking into like the most difficult challenge probably of, of all time for me for sure um but i think it's the right kind of challenge because i think it's kind of pushing me in ways that i didn't really quite imagine and anticipate um, and and sharpening things in me that I don't think working in the environment I was in would have sharpened. Wow, wow! Like now, you need some of those those pieces. Um, yeah. Like it's almost like uh, like I talk a lot about toxic charity in the Salvation Army. Um, yeah, that yeah. like if you if you give people too much, if you don't allow them to exercise the muscles that they have that God's given them to step out of homelessness and out of poverty, or you, right. you do the same thing to your children, if you you do everything for them they're not gonna develop the muscles they need. Yep. And like the church you're probably in, like based upon just a you know, little bit I've heard of it, it probably needs to learn to exercise some of those muscles. The good thing is that you've done that. Like you've, been, you've seen that 
were yeah. in the, the, the last couple of churches you've been in. I mean, t t like those churches you've been in have had like multi-site type of video projection, those type, I mean, isn't that right? Like you have a couple of you know, campuses. In Tampa, they had, you know, six locations. So that was like the largest by far. Um, the church I was at in Tennessee, we had two, we were just kind of starting to get into a third. So it was yeah. kind of a, a possibility of a third. I think if I remember correctly, I'm trying to, but I mean, but they had just kind of, multi-site's a lot harder when you have one other campus. When you have several, then you kind of like get over the hill and it's kind of easier. Right? When you just have one, it's still like, it's that whole stepchild syndrome of like, well, here's yeah, <laughs> here's yeah, sure. daughter that's loved, and then here's the stepdaughter that's not. Right, right. Like, All like, these step ex-wife stepchildren. I don't know what's going on, Matt. You keep know, right? no, like, uh, it's like a lot going on. <laughs> so a lot, but like it really does feel that way for that campus of like we're we're kind of the you know ugly whatever yeah, you know sure, ugly sure. And, and they're not, but it's harder. Um, and then other environments I worked at, those, those are really the only two multi-site ones that we had had because most of the churches I've worked in were just one location, large church, you know, yeah, large, sure. thing like that. So, um, so yeah, but yeah, that was, um, multi-site was an interesting thing. And obviously here in California, it's a little different because property is so much here right. that multi-site is extremely difficult to pull off here. Wow. Um, Especially in Santa Cruz, like it's all—it would be hard to do. There are churches that are attempting to do that, and but not in the type of ways where you just buy a building, build one, you know, whatever, right, right. or build something up, and it's not that you're having to figure out way more strategically how to do that. So interesting. So, talk. What What are some of the things? As somebody who you are the like one of the the I don't know primary, but definitely like prominent communicator for this twelve thousand member church. Um, mm -hmm. What what is it that um, like it's easy for me like somebody is a congregation 150 200 people and a majority of my audience are people in the Salvation Army or our Holiness Movement denominations like Free Methodist Wesleyan Nazarene yep. and generally there of course there are a couple exceptions within those denominations are generally a similar size um, and it's easy to kind of like oh we don't want to be a mega church or oh I mean kind of like look up and, and but at the same time like. There's a lot of misconceptions, I think, and and you helped me see some of this. Like, what are some of those primary misconceptions that people yeah, have about large church? Things. Yeah, I mean, first of all, like you have to remember that God grows the churches, Amen. right? Like that's the thing that you have to remember. Like, there really isn't anybody that's just entrepreneurial enough to just make this happen in a weird way. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that God is just all of a sudden super favors one more than the other or anything like that. So some of these guys that you have to remember that went into mega church world, were never thinking about becoming one. It just happened. Like it, it wow. literally happened. And it was like traumatic. You know what I mean? Like wow. it's not, it wasn't like, woo, we're growing. It was like, what are we going to do? We have way more people showing up. Like we're, we're freaking out, you know, kind of a thing. And so that really is the real story of a lot of those places um, that they didn't intend on being one, but all of a sudden God's like, okay, th this one over here, we're going to do it over. We're going to make this. <laughs> and, yeah. and mega churches have a, and mega churches have a cycle. I mean, um, that they, you know, there's a time where they're like, um, the hottest ticket in town and then they're not anymore. And wow. so, and then, they, and then they have to settle into what is our, you know, post prime wow. attendance expectations. Sure. Now there is a time like that. I mean, I think in every town, in every community, there's a church. Like you can think about it, like the how long you've lived in a community and who was oh, like yeah. the hot, which was the big growing church. And then like five years later, now the big growing church is this place. And right. now the big, 
So, I mean, every church kind of eats that cycle and has to, has to live with that in the fact that there is a like season where you experience like a lot of that. And then it pulls back into kind of the same normal thing. Everybody has, you know, kind of a thing. It's kind of a different vibe, but I think it's the one misconception I think people have is it's the same problems. It's just more of them. Interesting. Like, so for every, like three, you know, crazy people that send you weird emails you know what i'm saying like the yeah. smaller you will just like multiply that times like well now you have 15 you know crazy people emailing the staff or yeah. whatever you know so it's the same it's the same kind of problems it's just more of it um and so that is where if you're working those environments it it's not it's not that you get pushed spiritually of like man we got to like it, your capacity gets pushed of like how many teams can i lead wow yeah uh, um, like, like how many teams can I build? Like, those are the things that get pushed is literally your capacity to build in that kind of environment. So a big piece, though, of kind of getting there and like with the difference maybe between even your the church you're at now, certainly most Salvation mm -hmm. Army churches is like you see yourself empowering these other teams like administration, like truly the ministry uh, of enabling teams and leading them, giving them vision and focus. I mean, th that's like a key part of the job of somebody who's a pastor in that large environment. Yeah, right. Totally. And the thing is, is the so here's the dynamic that's super interesting about this is when you're working in a mega church, most of the time when you're hiring, you're trying to hire high capacity people right so that it stays that way like you're trying to hire people who are pretty good at building teams pretty good at building systems um so even though they could be dynamic on the stage or have like a personality bent that could go anyway they kind of have to have a little bit of an organizational ability under them or right. they or they're not gonna make it, right they gotta have some ability to handle this 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 and move when you're in a smaller venue, this is this is so this is what we've run into here at Santa Cruz Bible. That's been super interesting. So when they've experienced the decline, all the stuff they've had, what happens is the staff do everything themselves. Right, right. Which is absolutely the worst thing you could ever do to a church. Like it is, it is like just go ahead, put the knife in it, and just turn it. Wow. What happens is, is is if we are not equipping people, and um if we're doing it ourselves, then like, we're not asking, we, we're getting so used to handling everything, trying to keep our jobs, trying right, to, right. Bit, stuff. we're trying to do all that stuff and we're not really building things under us. So what happens is the building of the church stops. Hmm. It's just maintaining because I'm just trying to keep my, I'm trying to keep busy. I'm trying to keep leading. I'm trying to keep, you know, doing things. And so we had to run into that of talking through the difference between survival mode and growth mode are two different things. Wow. Survival mode, you do things to survive. Uh, but growth mode is you got to stop doing everything. Like wow. you've got to start delegating. You got to start handing things off to people. You got to build a team. You got to build structure underneath you instead of you being the structure. And, and, and that to me has been a, a super prevalent issue with coming here was like trying to turn that back around to kind of go guys we're shooting ourselves in the foot if we're doing everything like, mm. there's just mm -hmm. stuff. like that's not the way this was designed and uh and we've got to recruit volunteers the thing is the more people that are involved in your church the more you grow right strictly because there's more people invested in what's going on and when we stop recruiting and equipping and building then we stopped, right? right. You know, one of the guys, I'll tell you this, and then I'll move off of this. Like one, one of the, a mentor of mine one time, he just asked like this brilliant question. It was funny because he was talking about like, you know, how many kids would you love to have in your kids ministry? And you know, everybody was like saying these crazy numbers. Like, yeah, oh, we'd sure. love to have 
this many, you know, whatever. And he's like, so what would happen if it showed up Sunday? Like, what would you do? Wow. And then everyone was like, we would panic. Like the building would burn. Down. Like we would have no idea how to yeah. handle. And so his point was like, he was going back to like Luke 16, 10 about, you know, being faithful in the small things. And then you'll be, he was literally going like, you're not preparing for growth. Right. Right. Why are you praying for it? Like, I yeah. mean, he was literally like, why, why are you praying for growth? But yet you don't have a structure that could take even twice the amount of people that you have right now, like in kids or in adults, right. you know, those types of things like you could not facilitate them. So why should God sit and go, I'm going to drop a hundred more people on you when it would literally break every, you know, everything would break if that right. were to happen. So it got me thinking differently about preparing to grow and always having that mindset instead of just like having that whole uncle, we're never going to grow kind of a mentality where now it's just up to me and our team and we're just going to kind of. Yeah, sure. It. Yeah. It's a system. It seems like a system issue. And what I've heard is that like it ends up being like the, the 200 barrier. Now, you mentioned 300, but I mean, it's probably very similar. But the 200 barrier often seems to be this um, desire to control like what's, yeah. what's going on so that, well, we know we have we, and you can almost afford enough to have a couple like a youth pastor, a couple people here in various positions, senior pastor, relative competence. And then if you have if you have that in place. It doesn't actually allow there to be um, uh, what's like kind of like the the word for growth that I'm thinking of like uh, replicating. Uh, I'm not kidding, yeah. but like to really expand yeah. or to scale. And people yeah. don't like it when I use the word scale because it's like truly like a, a business word. But what ends up mm -hmm. happening? Like I I can tell like and and this is this isn't me talking about my current. You know, the uh, churches I've served, but it's just a sociological reality that there can be a matriarch or patriarch type of figure. And when you totally. get 200, 250, uh, 100 or 50, that matriarch patriarch team or whoever they are can control the room, right? They, they see everybody. They know where everything is. But also I think to grow, if, and if that's, if that's a goal is to win more people to Christ, to be able to use our influence and our time better, have to break that down, have to break down the, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And people don't like talking about business stuff because they're like, well, that doesn't, you know, and people get uncomfortable with that. And I'm like, yet yeah, I've seen smaller churches run like unhealthy businesses because it's like there's a CEO and he has like a death grip on everything. Right. Like, dude, like that's not how, <laughs> I mean, that's still a business. Like that's just a bad business. Like, you, you don't, <laughs> like it's a church. Like, you right, know what I mean? right. Like, in the equipping and the, um, handing off business and like you have to determine like what your level of control is right as this thing grows and you got to be comfortable with letting go more things and then i'm telling you once you do though <laughs> you're gonna be so glad and so much more comfortable in your position because now you can focus on what you do best and what the thing only you need to be doing and letting the things that anybody else can do come off of that table and that I'm that was the hardest thing for me was when I started youth ministry, I was kind of that Pied Piper, like everybody is. You sure. come in and you've got those skills, Matt. I mean, it's, yeah, he's marching yeah. around and like, you know, the kids and then, and, and, but like the shots that were taken was like, you don't have enough leaders. You don't have enough leaders. And I was like, we have plenty of leaders, like plenty of leaders to sustain like what I'm wanting to do. Right. right you know, sure. like, then, but then someone handed me a book. I'm trying to remember. It was something called, um, it's like this weird title, but it was something like, you don't have to, um, you don't have to do it to do it right. You don't have to do it yourself or something like that. I'll have to yeah. find the book. But anyway, it's just like one of those little bitty delegation books. It's like one of those business books. It's like 20 pages or something. And you, right. you know, read it, like sitting down. 
but the whole thing was on delegation and he was trying to like get into me like dude you gotta like delegate like that's what this is this is not about you this is not about what you can control right this is about you leading and not controlling like you know like you you gotta you gotta mature into that and so once i started delegating and figuring out my job description and going what are the things that i only need to do right that should be a small amount of things right right and had this long list of stuff that I've got my hands in. I don't need my hands in. Then it was a job of every week trying to get someone on those things. And like, and now I've got all, you know, back then it was like, now I got a team of 30, 40 volunteers underneath me who, when I had like eight or 10, right. But right. I was, and the thing is, if you get the right people, they recruit for you. So you, you get like a few people who are good leaders, good influencers, they'll bring people in. So like, you're just, you're just, you know, we're shooting ourselves when we keep it to ourselves. Like right. we really are. And this principle of course plays out in so many areas. Like it's not just, it's not just in, in the church life, like in, in how we organize ourselves and, um, and how we work with, with staff, um, how we work with our families for that matter. I mean, this is so key. I want to transition to something else. So Matt, like talk to me a little about communicating and being like the lead communicator, um, in these like even contrast a little bit like contrast like what you did here in tampa and then what you're doing now in santa cruz like how do you think about the preaching task it's it's not as different here because i'm so used to a certain rhythm now with like how i communicate and like how i plan that i basically carried that into here because it gives the teams that are like your worship teams and things like that gives them more time to create and think um, the thing is, I think for uh, messages and things, I like to plan ahead. I like to really think ahead and, and get a calendar. Yeah. Uh, um, look at the different rhythms, like, you know, kind of, uh, okay, so we start school here and then you got like a series until Labor Day and then let's we'll stop there and then let's we'll start something new. Like, where are the natural kind of stopping points of yeah, holiday yeah. seasons and things? So I usually plan, like, I'm, I'm already into like next year, like looking at like series and things I want to do because I've had ideas that won't happen this year. So I've got to have somewhere to put them. So I'm throwing them into next year and kind of already kind of figuring out a place for them. Um, but I think it's as ideas are hitting you, you're kind of thinking about what does that look like? How does that flesh out? Now, I am not a expositional uh, teacher as much. I do teach expositionally, but I do it short term. Like I right. kind of go through um i go through the I, i'm more of a highlight reel guy like I okay did the you know, story of david but i didn't do first and second samuel the whole book i just did like you know pulled seven stories out and we talked through those stories right, and, right. and then move on you know kind of thing because i think to me that helps people get the content a little bit easier to kind of go like kind of give me because my, my point is I, i'm not trying to i shouldn't be trying to feed you scripture i should be teaching you how to get into scripture sure and showing you enough of it to kind of go like entice you enough to kind of go man i want to get into that i want to read more about that story because right. this is interesting to me you know so so every time i'm even doing something expositional i always start it with you should read this like encouraging people like yeah sure. you need to get into this but anyway um but yeah i do i do um I think the key thing for communication is you have to decide how many times a year you're going to do this. And my first year here, I have to bend that a little bit because of comfort level. You're trying to acquire the comfort with the audience and like, they're trying to get comfortable with you. So you probably speak more than you're comfortable with in that first year to just get that rapport there. But you have to kind of determine how many times a year you're going to do this. Like out of the 52 weeks, how many of those 52 are you going to speak? You know, and, and you got to think about your kids and your wife and your family and then from there, that puts the burden on you to go, okay, I need a team. Like, 
I need more people teaching and I need to be equipping more people so they can preach and teach instead of just putting, you know, the youth pastor up there. And I'm being like, well, he stinks. Yeah, so I'm sure. not going to have him back. It's like, well, pull your youth pastor aside and be like, hey, can I help coach you? Can right, I help sure, you? Sure, sure, sure. Work with you on some stuff. And so then the next time you put the youth pastor up, instead of a D message, it was like a C message, you know, and then it gets to a B and then it gets better. I mean, people just got to have the experience, right? right I mean, sure, it's, sure. it's not on me. I couldn't have gotten the training, you know, and, and the experience. So, um, so I think you, you realize the need for a team. To me, it's a long range plan of thinking yeah. through series. I like to think in series. Yeah. That's how kind of people think right now. Yeah. I mean, you, I'm, I kind of think of it as a Netflixy kind of a way. It's like, wow, like, interesting. Like, let's go through this content for a little while and then let's kind of change gears. But let's also binge. like, yeah, let's binge a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to binge, you know, so go home and throw your Bible open, man. You yeah. can binge all you want. Right. So, uh, but honestly, um, thinking through that plan, like I think about a two year. Okay. It's not that I have a curriculum, but like I try to hit certain things within two years and really talking through that. There's certain things you have to talk about. Um, there's certain plugs you got to have, like for serving, for groups, for, you know, yeah, you want to yeah. talk about baptism, you know, blah, blah, blah. Those things hit every year. And then there's certain topics you want to talk about, like family, money, sex, blah, blah, you know, whatever things you may want to hit in a two year span. Right. And how we're going to hit those things. So, um, to me, it just helps to have a plan, like to yeah. sit down and, and the Holy Spirit can throw all that off, by the way. Like you got to be flexible enough to say, you know, pfft, you know, that, that, that series was a great idea, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do something else. Right. Um, but that helps people. And then I think getting your team with you to think through those series versus you coming down from Sinai with the tablet. <laughs> here's the yeah, holy word. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like it's really sitting down with a team and talking through like, hey, guys, here's what I'm thinking about. What do you guys think about this? What What's right. some uh, let me tell you about some ideas that would be in that series. Like, tell me, what do you guys think should be in there? Like really kind of kind of opening yourself to kind of what God can do. And yeah. I think the thing is, you got to have a teaching team. Yeah. But okay, you also got to have a creative team of people who can sit and speak into your content, um, speak into how we're presenting it. Uh, the folks that are going to catch and say, man, there's this worship song that like we do right. the message. And like, if you did it and then we did that song, you know, th those type of ideas that you can't be expected to think of all those ideas. Right. Uh, you got to be, there has to be a level of collaboration. If you want to be a better communicator, you got to be open right. to not only letting people input to you, like before it comes out of the kitchen. Um, but you also got to be open to feedback of, you know, letting people speak into how it came across. And yeah, sure. Maybe a, maybe a part of that message that might have been missing that you could put in, you know, that would have, you know, whatever. You, you got to put the ego down and just get better. Right. You know, that's a, a, a preaching in general is such a, uh, exercise in dealing with your own ego. I mean, it's just yeah. like by, by getting up there and, um, rehearsing, of course, um, I put a lot into practicing out loud in front yeah. of a mirror and I like I never am I more disappointed in myself when I'm listening to myself try to practice this <laughs> sermon <laughs> like did I oh, uh, it's, oh, fun. Yeah. Man, it's so hard and um you know in in listen trying trying to get that feedback interesting like uh, I'll be teaching preaching this fall and I think one of the one of the words is most abused within the con or, or equivocated maybe say within the context of preaching and talking about preaching. You you brought up a few times expositional, and you actually did something I like, which is dealing with your ego a little bit. And this is like nobody, I don't think, 
unless it's like really out there liberal people who don't take any authority for scripture. The, the scripture's not the authority for their life or their church. It's just kind of like a social institution or something. Like everybody wants to be an expositional preacher. Like everybody, but, but you are willing to say, you know, I'm not exactly expositional. And, and like, we, we mean different things by that language, but of course you're expositional. You talk about like running through a series um, uh, of David, you know, like uh, sev seven messages on first and second Samuel. How is that not expositional? You know, know. what people are talking about is like probably like a, a certain form a certain uh, structure or plot line that really is word for word, verse by verse, or something like that. And I've I've gotten critiqued occasionally, and I like to think of myself as an expositional preacher. But you know, somebody goes down the street or hears somebody else, and they're like a verse by verse person, and then they call that well, they really preach from the Bible. I'm like, oh man, I thought I was preaching from the Bible. I mean, it, talk to me about that word expositional. It, yeah, I remember, you know, when I was in, you know, Christian college and people like, you know, it was like a badge of honor to be the expositional guy. You yeah. know? And and for folks out there who may not know what we're talking about, expositional is oh. verse above teaching. Topical is like where you're going like, well, this for a few weeks, we're going to talk about money for a few weeks. We're going to talk about, gener you know, uh, I don't know, fruits of the spirit. And then, for, and then we're going to go into relationships and whatever. I am more topical, but I think the thing that gets left out of the conversation is people's personalities. Like mm. there are just people that do not think expositionally. And, and, and the thing is that if you're trying to talk to the same audience over 15 years, expositional makes sense. But I realize that some of the folks that are coming in, they're very much, they're not going to interact with us much. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very much going to talk to them maybe two or three times over two or three years because that's how many times they went. So to me, it's like pulling the bet, like the most important things to the forefront. It's kind of like we did in student ministry. I mean, you really think about it. We had six years, if you talk about middle and high school, to reach those kids. So I don't need to spend all six years in Revelation. That makes no sense because right, like right. those got no skills. They got nothing that they need. You know, but they learn prophecy, but that's it. Like, you right. know, I think I drown, I, you know, my thing is, no, like in that six year span, we need to look and say, like, what are we teaching? What are the most important things we need to make keep, keep coming across? What are things that need to be repeated over and over again in different ways? When you talk about the church vision, you talk about culture, you know, those type of things. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, and it's the same with adults. Like, honestly, you know, I feel like, um, Again, I don't need, I don't want them dependent on me. Right, right. They need to be, we're, we're trying to equip them to be able to do it. But to do that, here's the thing. Right. If I, I mean, this is where it all breaks down. It's kind of funny to me. If I take a week and talk about how to read the Bible. Right. That's not expositional preaching. But does that need to happen? Yes. Absolutely. Like yeah. if I take a week to talk about, you know, our church and its impact on the city is that expert? Nope. But does it need to happen? Yes. Like, I just don't know how you don't run into things over and over and over again that you go, these are critical health moments and critical move moments for our church. Like, again, we came out of 2020. Are you not going to talk about COVID fear? Are you not going to talk about race? Are you not going to talk about the right, things going right, on? Right, right, right. I mean, what are you doing? Like, I mean, you know, to me, well, that's not expositional. Well, then, right. I just, to me, people get married to a model. Right, right, absolutely. Not like, a, not like a model like Tyra Banks. I mean, like a model, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or Carrie Roden or Abby Miller. Yeah, there you go, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, but my, people get married, they get so much more in love with the model than the church. 
And like, right, and I just think that's ridiculous. I'm like, dude, who cares? I mean, I'm telling you, if you did not do Galatians 5 and you did every verse, I just don't think Jesus is up there like, well, I'm going to give him the highs because he didn't, you know, he didn't do every verse. Like, right. I just think the important thing is, are we preaching and teaching from the Holy Spirit and what God is equipping us to do? And are we staying faithful to Scripture? And to me, if you're doing what God's telling you to do and you're faithful to Scripture, I don't care what style you preach, man. Expositional, topical, doesn't matter to me, right, man. Right. And even the word exposition it. isn't really it isn't a good word because um, like I, back in my music days, like you you identify music based upon like generally like there's two concepts like exposition and development and so like the exposition is a presentation of the idea so like and and even the ex on that is me pulling out of like we're exegesing ex exposition like so we're taking something like a principle the position and we're pulling yep. it out and yep. like ultimately like it, it it'd be better to describe it as something else verse by verse like okay i preach verse by verse that's what i do like and not not get caught into trying to describe it. Well, this is expositional preacher now, but that's a battle I guess we can have with society, Matt. I don't know. Well, and some churches and some churches and denominations like they just literally go, "This is what you do." I remember when I was looking for a church, like you know, and trying to figure out Santa Cruz. There were two or three of them. It was just like, "This is the way you're going to preach." Wow. Yeah. And oh, sure. Like, what did they say? Them. What type of what type of they examples? Put expositional. They put that in there, and it's like, but like verse by verse, like we don't want you to ever veer from this model. And my thing is like, yeah, but if that if that model is not what your church needs this week, right, right, are you are you even open and flexible to that? It's like it's that kind of stuff. Where I'm like, I'm not, I didn't even consider that kind of stuff because I'm looking at that going, that communicates to me inflexibility to what God wants right, to do, right? And, and, and you shouldn't shame somebody if they took a week off and said, let's talk about race last year. Well, they absolutely should have. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Sure, like, sure. Hello, the whole world's talking about it, and we're sitting here talking about you know the three C's of Paul's trip to, you know, where Philippi yeah. or whatever. And it's like, it doesn't, none of that matters right now. So right. to me, it, um, to me, faithful to scripture is not a model. It's a mindset. And and that's where people have got to get into that. Like I get, I mean, I absolutely scrutinize myself. I hold up verses among other verses and I'm one of those guys, like I'm not a commentary guy as much as it's like, it's like I'd rather have the Bible be the commentary on the verse. Like if I'm talking about this, I'd rather look at all the other scripture about this, right, right. see if it lines up, right? Like how does this, how does this sink? And uh, to me, faithful preaching is a lot of different ways and God made us all different. And man, I, I, I just, any, anybody who gets up and says, this is the way to do it. And any other way to do it is inferior right. is I just think I just I roll my eyes. Well, it represents something else. It represents a challenge to that. I th and I, you know, some people who listen to this podcast will know Andy Stanley. Like I didn't come up with this, yeah. but the idea of um, uh, marry the mission and date the model. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Marry the mission. Yeah. And so, like, you, like we're mar we're ultimately married. Like we're we're in this task, like as proclaimers of the gospel, leaders of of church community, to bring people to Jesus and to disciple people. Like that's that's what we're, we need to get that done. Now we need yep. to figure out the model to make make that happen and in the Salvation Army we have all kinds of challenges with that like uh, we have our, our mission to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and meet human needs in his name without discrimination but then we have some models of that that might not be as applicable anymore like um, you see, I mean most of the time you saw me I was wearing a uniform a Salvation Army uniform and it worked great when you and I were in the community together and like you people come to me and rec like recognize my uniform but at the same time like well does it ever get in the way 
Like, and the, the truth right. is it does. Sometimes, sometimes it does. And it can be used in a beautiful way. But like that's one of our um, situations where we have like the, the mission model or form function concern. And the same thing happens with preaching. And it might be these things that can lead a church to not be what God's calling it to be. I think the thing is you have to, the pastor's job is to look and see what, what is not working and, and fix it. You know what I mean? And, and that is an issue with denominational stuff sometimes. I mean, I'm not in the denomination, haven't been for like a long time, but like, um, but that is the struggle is like, you got people over you who are like, no, you can't, you got to do it this way. And it's like, well, but if it's not working, I mean, guys, you're putting me in a you know situation here. It's like, you know, like give me the room to lead and let me see Right. It's kind of, I always think of it, it's like the Daniel thing, like where it's like, let us eat the vegetables and then why don't you watch us and see what we do. Amen. Tell us which one's better. Right? Oh, I love like, that. I love thinking gotta, like that. You gotta have the flex. I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, we gotta, you gotta let leaders lead, man. And, and the thing is there's, I've learned the hard way so many times, there's so many personalities of leadership involved in the church. And instead of like pointing at it and saying, I don't know if that's as cool as mine or as good as mine. And, and I'll tell you, all these cool churches and all this, they all do the same thing. I mean, like, there's legalism has a different <laughs> legalism wow. has different faces. It's not the traditional granny. Sometimes it's the young hipster who's like, you know, our church is the only one reaching anybody. We're right. we're the only you know, we have a worship album. We're so cool, right? You know, so it's yeah. like that kind of vibe. And even though that's cool and God's blessed it, but like when that attitude kicks in, that haughty attitude gets in there of like, well, we're the only ones that really right. get it. You gotta be careful and like get off yes. that boat quick. Cause I'll tell you, that is not a, I, I read scripture too. And I'm just saying like the whole pride thing doesn't have a great destination. You know, yeah. I jump off that boat. There's like, real danger, a real danger of saying yeah. that we've been used. Therefore we are right. Therefore, yeah. therefore God only communicates to us in this way. And like, so, so for instance, like in a, in a movement like mine, a denomination 155 years old, like, well, it's been successful. I'm more than 133 countries. You've been around for 155 years, Absolutely. 56 years. Like God's used it. But that is a really big step, prideful step to say, therefore, what we do is the way. Is the best. Yeah. Right, yeah. So that's uh, the best. I mean, that's the thing. That's why we're all here doing what we're doing, because there are models that work. But you have to be careful about taking some of those models and putting it in what you do because you got to be open and thinking about how does that play out in my community, in my church. That stuff doesn't always transfer all the way. You know yeah. what I mean? So. In Santa Cruz, do you feel like – so one of the things I, I um, admire, uh, like there's weaknesses, of course, to non-denominational churches, right? Like there's not this safety net. This uh, There's not this system of accountability that's the same. I mean just – but, uh, but at the same time – uh, you are able to choose to go to Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz chose you. Yes. And there's something really good about that. Like yeah, right. you're, you're yeah. leading in, in like, look, you all, you all picked me <laughs> right? at some yeah. point. And so how are you doing with that? Like there, like you're talking about some of these, your changes, like helping them see a new vision. How's that going for you? Well, I think too, you bring up a really good point about accountability in a sense of, um, the one thing, I mean, the only denomination I've ever been a part of was the one I started with when I was just first getting into church, and that was the SBC, right? Yeah. And they certainly have some problems. Like, let's be real. I mean, it's yeah. definitely, you know, they have definitely dealt with a lot of awful stuff in the last few years. But 
Um, but there was that um, nice support of the International Mission Board and like all the, I mean, there's all these agencies and things you make. You want to send people mission trips, man, we got the best missions organization in the planet. Like we can just boom, boom, you know, send them there easy for us. We don't have to do it. So there are, there are those support things you don't have. I think that's the importance of why a pastor has to be accountable to a board, to an elder right, board right. of some kind. Like you, you really do because you don't have that support. You don't have that accountability and you got to have people that will sit down and look at what you're doing and ask you questions and just make, again, people that you trust, people that you love. I mean, it's not like a, it didn't need to feel like an interrogation room where they're shining a light in your face. Where were you? Sat, you know, you know, it, it, but it, it's people that are just kind of checking in on you. Like, how are you doing? Are you spending enough time with your kids? Are you right. healthy? You know, those type of things. That, that's You got to have that stuff. If you don't have a denomination or then the pastor is accountable to no one. And I would tell you, if you are ever in a church where the board is a bunch of people that the pastor led to Christ and has like full influence over them. Right. Like right. that's a dangerous thing, man. Like, and, and it's a dangerous thing, you know, like, cause it, it just, there is no accountability really. You know, but anyway. Let me, let me jump in there. One thing I, I had yeah. was uh, the executive pastor at uh, 12 Stone Church, which I earlier talked about the Salvation yeah. being a tradition of um, yeah. uh, Wesleyan um, holiness movement. Well, 12 Stone's a, a Wesleyan church, but Dan Ryland is there as, a, and I, I met with him a couple of times and he said he said he gave me a really great question to ask to be able to figure this out and he he said and i and i use this and it's actually brought you know attention for me with even in, in the movement of the salvation army is my my where i'm serving and i still abby if in case you don't know abby and i'll still be a part of the salvation army as our yeah, church right. um but it's interesting he he said how are decisions made here like asking that question who how do we make decisions and like sitting down and listening to that answer that's going to tell you about that power structure like oh and and if it comes down to one person and in, in our in my system the great thing about it is is it's not just um it's a whole huge group and system maybe the weakness of my system is that it's not always connected to a local unit the local expression uh the denomination has a great influence but it, 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 so often in a like a megachurch situation, there's this following behind. And we look, we've seen the downfall of it multiple times. Oh, People definitely. who've been saved and then take leadership of the pastor, and it's very hard for them to move outside of that. So the decision making that's key. You, you can't, yeah, you can't put the yes people and people that you can push and shove around in the, in those things around you, you just can't, you know, and, and that's where I think in a lot of megachurches, sometimes you see decisions that get made in smaller churches too. It just all depends. Right. And nobody understands why we're doing it. Like it, and it just happened and everyone just, we all just agree. And then we moved on and then like no one heard boo about it. And I think that's like the kind of thing that makes people concerned of like, like why aren't, you know, like, I don't understand what, what, what's, where's the communication? Where's the why? Where's the like, again, it questions how the decisions are made. And, yeah. and that that's the thing as a leader, you're going to have to make a lot of tough calls, but you don't have to make them in a way that makes everybody question the decision-making that you're doing in general. Right. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like there's ways you can communicate, but anyway, let uh, me, let me go. I, I'm going to have to close this off here. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I'm sorry to do that, by the way. A great, a oh, great no. I don't even time remember. You asked about something else. I was trying to go back to, and I don't even remember. Uh, we'll drop it. uh, <laughs> it's okay. I, um, I, I, 
I want to ask a question that uh, I try and close. So again, the name of the podcast is more to the story. Like there's always yep. a little bit more. And I'm just curious, like, you know, a lot of people might know you a little bit, particularly Carrie and your, your, your kids, but is there more to the story of Matt Roden? Like what, what is one of those things that people don't know about? Like, do you, are you a surfer now that you live out in California? What's the deal? <laughs> what is, what, what's more to the story of Matt Roden? Try it at some point, and I'll have to get like a wetsuit. The thing about the ocean water here is cold, bro. It's, oh, it's interesting. Not you don't just throw on trunks and jump out there. It's cold, and, and the waves are, I mean, boom, me hitting rocks. Oh man, the whole thing—it's different. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I'll have to try that out here. I think the um, I think the more to the story for me is the fact of um, I, this whole thing. I should never be doing this. Like I, I'm, I'm like the least likely person to be a pastor ever i mean i mean truly kind of like david was a little runt and god's like that's the one i want kind of a thing like i mean yeah. i just i didn't have the there's nothing in my family background there's nothing in this that would have led to oh this guy's going to go into ministry never i mean it surprised me more than it surprised anybody wow but um but i try to be the more to the story part is for me i try to be very open and transparent about like uh, wounds and healing and freedom and things like that in my speaking because I just don't have a desire to have the pastoral mystique. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, sure. Like old man, because oh, I think yeah, that yeah. service to people because people are coming in and they're hurting and they just want to know, like, do you even get it? Wow. Do you even understand what I'm going through? Do you even know? So every opportunity I have, I try to share and it's hard to do. I mean, people think, oh, it must be easy for you to share about painful stuff or like, or to be that honest about your spiritual growth or your, or your marriage or your, uh, or your, um, your parenting or your yeah. whatever, and just talk about like what you do wrong and where God's growing you. And like, um, but I think people need that now more than ever. And, sure. and the thing that brought me here that is that, you know, I think people just need down to earth preaching you know what i mean like and again that's not the best model and the greatest thing ever but i just think that people now are lonely they're hurting mm -hmm, they're mm -hmm. depressed they're scared they're just a number of things in their life that have just been have, have been thrown up in the air because of covid and everything else and um and in and, and 2020 in general and i just think people need to hear from like wounded people yeah, like they just yeah. need to hear from people to say okay so this guy does get it like he understands the pain and he understands like the uncertainty and he understands the feelings. And, uh, and it's, it, there's a big difference to me between saying, this is really hard, but if you just trust God, he'll make everything better. And you just need to trust God more like mm -hmm. versus saying, this is really hard. And let's talk about how hard it is to even understand what trusting God even means right now. Like, sure, what does that even sure. look like? That's to me the a better conversation that people need to have is 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 more pastors and teachers being upfront about number one, I'm not sure what this means, but number two, this stuff is difficult. So let's talk practically about like how this could work for us this week, you know, and yeah, those type yeah. of things. Just be very open and vulnerable. It's hard to do, but every time I do it, there's always somebody that comes up and just yeah. says, like, you have no idea how much that meant to me. Like awesome. just that story so yeah and people might not get that about about you particularly uh being a upfront and like i love that you're able to share like because like you, you there is an image but there is a connection to wanting to identify and wanting to be able to be open about 
our womb. So that's a beautiful way, man. It's a yeah, good way to describe yeah. that. I'm so thankful for you, Matt, and your family and what you're doing. And I will be in touch. We'll have to have you on again too some other time. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. And thanks for anybody who tuned in and watching, listening, whatever you're doing. Thanks for being a part. 